Welcome to Be Real Conversations, the podcast where I go behind the scenes and chat to amazing individuals in various industries and find out what it takes to be at the top of their field. On today's episode, we have Spoken Priestess, the African Powerpuff Girl, a multifaceted creative, an Afrobeats DJ, the co-host of Bedu Nights, and a mixed DJ on Power FM's Power Jams. Welcome to Bureau Conversations. My name is Cyril Zuma. I am sitting with the best in the world, a friend of mine, an amazing artist, an amazing uh, friend, an amazing everything. Welcome to Bureau Conversations, Spoken. How does it feel to be friends with me? <laughs> uh, to be honest, it actually feels really amazing to be friends with you. You've definitely opened my circles up to a lot of um, a lot of things. You've done a lot for me. And I think it's testament to you coming to the podcast because I always say this to my guests. I invite people onto the podcast that I feel um, are doing amazing things. And I feel that them and I have a, an amazing relationship that we can talk like this and dissect the, the process. Why are you so serious? Oh my gosh, I'm finally pressure. That means I have to be deep. Like you're so deep with it, bro. But I hear you. Shout out. Like I'm proud of you. Congratulations. I've been watching Bureau actually and I thought it was photographers only. <laughs> So it's nice to be here. <laughs> I'm glad you came because, you, you know, again, you're one of the creatives that have been pushing so many levels. You and I have worked on so many projects before. Um, but can you tell us about your background in, in the entertainment industry and how you became an Afrobeats DJ? Okay, well, shout out. I'm Spoken Priestess, the African Powerpuff Girl. I'm an Afrobeats DJ. My background in the entertainment industry spans 13 years now. Uh, it's 2013, so that will be 14 years now, damn. Um, I started in entertainment when I was 17, but before that, I guess I was in the industry bubbling under, you know, on the streets crumping like every other kid. If you didn't start as a hip-hop dancer or an MC in street ciphers, then I don't know what school fees you paid, but that's the school I come from. Um. Yeah, I think my career in entertainment really started when I was 17 years old, when I joined radio. Um, and honestly, that's where it all began. Like, from there I ran, you know. It was the music, it was the artist, it was the PR, it was the media light. It was, it's like touching buttons. I always like to think of myself as a curious kid that was touching buttons. Like, what does this one do? What does this one do? So I've literally tried everything in the entertainment industry. So, yeah, that's that's how far my career spans in a nutshell. And how I became an Afrobeats DJ was, I just jumped. I was like, okay, I've done everything that I could possibly explore. What else is there for me to do? You know, I was curious and I was like, oh, let me try this. You know, let me learn how to DJ. I love music so much. I want to play music. Let me curate that and see how that goes. And here I am. And it's sticking, like it's stuck. People are like, okay. So... It's stuck. I love that. I love that. It's, yeah. It's like a new leaf. It's a, it sounds like a beautiful journey. I mean, you've been through a lot of things. Just, you know, looking at your CV. In fact, one would, you know, would ask, how old <laughs> are you? But I want to go back and actually ask, and you know, where did you grow up? And how was your childhood? And the reason why I ask is that sometimes it informs like some, you know, some of the things that we do. And maybe for you, it's the same thing. Um, I'm 31. I know people are very weird about their age or whatever. I'm not. I'm 31. Um, it's tricky. <laughs> I'm just like, which part of life is this part? But it's fascinating. Growing up sucks. Growing up is fun. Growing up is a lot of things. And um, 
it's really cool. I mean, I, I know I'm kind of digressing. I'll go back to your question, but I really find this part of my life interesting because nobody prepares you for becoming a fully fledged adult that has to balance their passions and their reality. You know, um, a lot of us are young and, you know, spirited and we just want to do what we want to do. And then there's life and there's reality and there's growing up and there's that in between trying to realize your passion. So I, I, I say that because I'm like, bruh, just, just keep doing it. Whoever's listening, whoever's watching, just keep doing it. We're all figuring it out. Um, my childhood was lovely as far as I can remember. I, I remember being loved. I remember having a fun childhood. It's quite interesting. My grandma has always, you know, my grandma has a different story. Like she always tells different stories and I'm like, that's not that. how I see it. You know, yeah. like she has a very not so optimistic um, outlook as I do. Um, or at least not so self-aware outlook like I do. And I say that because she would say things like, you know, which is like, I'm just a person like, you know, and I'm like, that's negative self-talk. But I think it's just a generational thing. Like as us, we're very conscious of the things we say about ourselves. And my grandma is not conscious of the things she says about herself. And some of them are just negative. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're not stupid. You're just old. You forgot. And she was like, I don't I'm like, no, that, don't talk about yourself like that. But anyways, uh, but I had a beautiful childhood. I was raised by my grandma and my uh, granddad. Um, and uh, we had such a loving family for me personally. My aunts was there. My uncles were around. It was me and my younger sister. I had a really good childhood, very creative, uh, very there. Like, I, I don't, nothing, I can't say anything spectacular about my childhood, honestly, other than the fond memories I have. We had a good childhood. I was creative, for sure, very creative, very peculiar, very special, as everybody tells me. People always tell me stories of the things I was doing and how creative I was and how intelligent I was as a kid and how neat I was. Uh, so I definitely left a mark um, in my childhood with the people that raised me and the people that taught me, my teachers and whatever. So I guess from childhood, I was always a special kind of kid. And um, yeah, so honestly, nothing in my childhood informed being who I am today apart from curiosity and just being exposed to different things like I can't say as a kid I was singing I mean who didn't love listening to the radio who didn't love dancing to the tv screen I think yeah. we all did as kids yeah, yeah. um but I can't really say I sat there and said oh, I want to be a singer when I grow up no I'm, I'll be lying you know I'm only in primary school did I start falling in love with radio and that's when I think my entertainment career kind of the seed was starting to be planted then when I had a cell phone that uh, had a headset, you know, those cell phones that had radio yeah, yeah. and I'd listen to certain radio stations and I'd be curious. I'd want to be inside the radio. Like, how does that work? Like, I want to, that's when I fell in love with radio. Um, but as a child, no, nah, I had just a normal childhood. Yeah. That's so interesting. I mean, yeah. you know, I know that you studied uh, electrical engineering, which is, um, you know, there's some turns that we take in life that are probably... R.I.P. to bad decisions. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right. But then, which was something so interesting you did I is, know. you know, you then studied uh, marketing and, and, and went into that field. 
How was that transition for you, you know, making that decision at a young age of studying electrical engineering to now um, content market or marketing and, and content creation? You know, studying electrical engineering for me is the epitome of what happens when you follow the rhythm of what people prescribe for you. As people, and I'll speak for black children because I'm a black child and I've only ever experienced a black experience or rather the African experience. As African kids, we are sort of always imposed on, you know, People look at you and they're like, yeah, when I want to settle, you must be a, yeah, you know, you're so clever. You should be a lawyer. It's like, babes, like, don't prescribe my life for me. So in high school, I was top three on a roll. I was always a brilliant student, by the way, like top three in primary school, top three in high school. Um, and so the inclination is that you must be an engineer or a doctor. You get, yeah. I was studying maths and science. You know, the trajectories when you're studying maths and science, the trajectory is engineering. For sure, you for know? sure. So, There's certain courses that yeah, you Yeah, yeah. And I believe that. I was like, okay, okay. Makes sense. Obviously, I'm doing maths and science. Next step when I'm in varsity is, you know, study engineering. Girl, I do not know what I was thinking because it's like, <laughs> in that year, studying electrical engineering, that was my course. In the same year, I was on the radio station on campus. I was on the poetry society on campus. I was in the drama society on campus. And I think I was writing for the newspaper. So my life and what I was studying were just like two different worlds. You know, as an engineering student, those other things would not naturally be where you gravitate towards. So I think there was a separation between what I really gravitate towards or who I really am and what I think I should be studying. Even in class, it was like, <laughs> these are in the wrong course. I had a friend of mine, her name is Chantal, I'll never forget her. Um, her and I were like, we were into music, we were the hip kids. It was hip hop times, 2009. And her and I were like so thumbs in that class. You could just see, wow, these ones, I'm not sure if they'll make it through the course. Um, not because we're stupid or whatever. It's just that you can just tell that we don't belong in that department. So, and true say, after a year, I was like, actually, this is a waste of my time. I switched courses to study PR. And then that's when life started making more sense. <laughs> yeah. And then so from PR, you then moved yeah. into the DJ lifestyle or were you already, um, you know, doing Afrobeats DJ? So Afrobeats is very recent. Okay. It's the it's the most recent project in my entire career. Um, before that, it was always radio, radio and writing. Those were like my core, my claim to fame. Quotation mark. You know? Sure. Um, a lot of the relationships I developed over entertainment were mostly from radio, and um, radio, subsequently PR, and then subsequently writing. So. The DJ thing is just recent. It's four years old. So it's the most recent turn in my career. Um, everything was concurrent. So while I was studying, I was on radio. It's always been like that. I've always worked two to three jobs as far as I can remember. Since I was 17, it's always been two or three things on my plate. I'm, I don't know. I'm just That's just how my career has always been. And it's still the same even now. So... I don't know why, but I guess it's just one of those things. I don't know if it's workaholism. I don't know if it's hyper, what's the word? Hyper achievement. Or if it's just making, making ends meet, you know? Sure. If I decided on one thing, 
and say, this is what I'm going to do. I don't have evidence that um, I can survive like that, you know? Um, not to say you can't survive with your art and your passion, but where I come from, like 10 years ago, the industry wasn't as it is now. Now you can survive off your passion. 10 years ago, you couldn't. So I guess maybe I'm built from a different school where I had to constantly like juggle plates. I remember this one time I was working at a retail store. I was on radio and I was doing my degree. It was crazy. Um, there was like I was three different people. I was in class and the next thing I'm on the radio station interviewing superstars. Next thing I'm at this clothing store at the mall serving customers and helping them change their outfits. So it was quite, I've always been exposed to like three different lives, sure. you know, um, that's kind of how my world has been for the longest time. So yeah, that's, that's, that's how I got into entertainment. Um, engineering was a bad decision. Um, I'm not even mad, but it's just one of those things that's, you know, who hasn't taken a bad turn and realized that, ugh, yeah so yeah for sure i mean i can speak to that i know i studied sports coaching too and it didn't work out i was fascinated by them like you're a sports coach by profession i was like the fuck (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) exactly yeah so tell me how was the process for you you know from moving from studying uh, this course that you didn't like to now then studying pr to then doing radio and to now then being a dj what has the process been like and what do you wish you had known a bit earlier Hmm, that's a tough question. It's a tough question because I never look back. <laughs> I've always been running and walking and working and um, I never look back. I think that's a question that I'd also like to think about when I get home because I've, I've, I've heard a lot of people say, I wish I knew. And I'm like, huh, that's dope. And I'm like, I never thought about that. But I wish I believed in myself more, I think. It's not something that I wish I knew. I wish I believed in myself more. The reason why I say that is because I definitely had an idea or like a modus operandi of putting my head down and working. I don't know if it was a confidence thing. I don't know if it was a coping mechanism because somewhere in the mix I was you know, surviving and coping with depression, mild uh, depressive disorder as diagnosed then um, over 10 years ago. But I just said to myself, and look, shout out to that girl, because if I hadn't put my head down and worked, you know, who knows who I would have become or where I would have. Bro, I hustled, okay? One thing about me, like whoever has experienced me or has encountered me will say one thing about me i work hard and i'm a hustler for sure um and shout out to that but it's like i wish i believed in myself more because maybe i would have been more out there maybe i would have taken more risks uh with regards to my brand or being visible right there's so many crazy things i've done in my career and it's only when somebody reads it back to me i'm like like are we allowed to sit on this podcast I mean yeah why not I'm like shit bro like damn like you know I did an interview this one time and this guy was reading my accolades I'm like bro I'm a fucking OG like I'm a fucking pioneer like damn you know but you don't see those things when your head is down and you're spanning bro you're just trying to span you know and um, I wish I believed in myself more because maybe I possibly would have also been further 
um, in terms of my brand visibility, I won't say growth because I feel like the Spoken Priestess brand will live forever, truthfully, you know, yeah. if we're being real. People can reference so many aspects of me that I think are very concrete and of so much essence, you know. But I think visibility-wise, I probably might have been more bigger. Maybe I might have been a little bit more on bigger platforms if I was if I had the confidence to maximize and you know really take um, advantage of the opportunities or the spaces I was in and the kind of access I had. Like when you think about today and you think about how people monetize their access. People yeah. are monetizing their connections now. People yeah. are monetizing who they know. And I'm not saying that you should be out there showcasing, oh, I'm chilling with Cyril. But it's like, if you're tuned into that shit, you can monetize it. You can sure. leverage those relationships to get yeah. yourself to the next place uh, by virtue of the fact that these people will vouch for you. Me, I was here. Working hard. Working, 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 working hard, working, 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 working hard. Yeah, yeah, and it's sure. like you lose out on 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 maximizing um when you're not thinking in that when you don't have that mentality. Yeah. So I don't wish I knew anything different. I wish I believed in myself more. Sure. Because I feel like also sometimes there's no way to know things until you do. Yeah. That's the other thing, is like saying you wish you knew back then what you know now. How are you gonna know, Sana? For sure. Other than learning, you know, sure. other than having a mentor of which 10 years ago, also the OGs now, we're figuring it out. Like the industry is so different now than what it was 10 years ago. So it's like even the lessons that you were going to be taught 10 years ago wouldn't be relevant today for how much the industry has changed. Right now, digital um, streaming platforms are the thing. Back then, we were pushing CDs in the boot. What You know what I mean? Like there's only certain things that you could have being taught back then that would have helped you in some way. There's just a lot of lessons you have to learn yourself by doing the work and going through the process. So I don't wish I knew anything back then um, that I couldn't learn along the way. I just wish I believed in myself more, you know. That's it. I, love, I really love that, man. And, I, and it's true testament to exactly what you've done. And, there's, you know, your accolade list is really long. And one of the things I want to talk about is, <laughs> is music unscripted, you know. Um, what is music un unscripted and how can one get involved? And the reason why I ask you this question is because music un un unscripted is one of the things that when I look at it, I feel like, you know, it's part of your lessons. It's part of your journey. It's part of the things that you've been with and, and it's very dear to you. Music unscripted started as a venting machine, somewhat. Um... I like to solve things. I'm a problem solver. And I thank God I've, I've, I've honed that trait over the years. It's become such a useful thing of mine. Sometimes even incessantly. So I need to learn the balance of when to pull back and not always solve things. But I started Music Unscripted to solve a problem. A problem being that I was on radio and I was getting music from artists that was not clean, that I couldn't play. They didn't have their uh, um, music information. They didn't have their, their uh, light, well, not licensing, uh, what are the uh, royalty, you know, collecting societies, music collecting society numbers, the ISRC codes, the SAMRO number. 
they didn't have the publishing details. You need that on radio for you to get your royalties. That's how we pay you. We say this guy needs to, you know, the money needs to go to Sony. The money needs to go to Universal or the money, either this is the ISRC code, the publishing, you know, that's how we allocate you. But people were just sending music that was dirty. And I was so passionate that I was always sitting in my music compiler's office editing artists' music just because I want to play it. But the ignorance was just a lot. And I was like, how do I solve this? How do I fix this? How do I make it better? That's how Music Unscripted was born um, seven years ago, eight now, 2015. I was like, let me do a music conference. Music Unscripted, we're going to do a music conference. We're going to bring Samura. We're going to bring Risa. We're going to bring all these people to come and talk to these kids and just tell them how the industry works, help them, give them information. That's what it's been for years. And it's crazy. I still love it today. There's a lot of people that came along the way. You know how it is. When you start something, everybody else wants to do it, right? There's a lot of people that came along. Workshop for artists. We've seen it. You know, also brands doing the whole workshop for artists. I'm not going to sit here and, and act like I came up with the idea of giving artists workshops, but I made it. When you see an idea living, you're like, ah, let's do that, you know? Yeah. And so, but eight years later, I'm still here. I'm still hosting Twitter spaces for artists to listen to them eight years later. That's beautiful. Um, so that's what Music Unscripted is, man. I think it's just my passion for teaching, my passion for sharing. Music Unscripted is an, is a, is, is an extension of my compassionate self. Like, I'm just so compassionate. I always want to help. I always want to share. Um, and I don't always know how to share. So I, I use Music Unscripted as a platform where I can. You know, so I can dedicate my time. Like, also, a lot of artists over the years have been sending me music, which is why I started uh, Music Unscripted on the Twitter spaces where I'm like, okay, let me listen to your music on the space because I can't be listening to your music anymore. I, I used to do that when I was on Slicker on Life or was, when I was on radio. People would send me stuff and listening would be part of my job. People still do that. And I'm like, okay, but where am I going to take your song now? I don't yeah. have a platform yeah. um, where I can play it on or plug it onto. And me sending it to people, is that's an extra job. Now I'm consulting. Now I'm a radio plugger. But because you want me to listen to your music either way, for the fact that you want me to do that, I will have the honor. But I'll need to channel it in a way that's constructive or that works for me. So Music Unscripted sure. is a channel as well. So Music Unscripted was birthed out of necessity. It was birthed out of my need to solve a problem, but it was also birthed, it has also become a vehicle for my passion for the music industry and how I can channel that. Um, Some of the people that I know in the industry, that's how I'm using my connections now is, I know somebody that, can you talk to us about how licensing works? Can you talk to us about what an A&R person does? So yeah, that's what Music Unscripted is. It's a platform for upcoming and middle stream artists to get their network, get information, learn how they can, you know, help themselves get along. I love what it's become recently through the Twitter spaces. It's become, it started to feel like a community of people. People are exchanging numbers. People are DMing each other. We have a global community. There's artists tuning in from Canada, artists tuning in from Birmingham, artists tuning in from Nigeria, Kenya. I'm just like, what is this? So, um, so now it's a community of people um, to network. God knows what it will be in 2023. I'm still thinking about it, but definitely be getting back to the conferences now we are outside again. So 
I won't stop, you know. For I sure. won't stop. Yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to the conferences and also the the Twitter Spaces. I've been listening to Twitter Spaces and I've learned a few things just about music and artists generally just listening um on there. So I would definitely recommend it for anybody that just wants to listen about music whether you are a developed artist or a new artist. I would say check out Music Unscripted. It really really is amazing. Thank and, you. Yeah, thank you. And so from there you've grown on to, you know, to become such a an ambassador for many things. And one of them is Frida Hartley. What does Frida Frida Hartley mean to you or the Frida Hartley shelter mean to you? Man, it it reminds me of not leaving anyone behind. It also reminds me of doing something. I've seen a lot of people um, do humanitarian work. I've seen people, you know, give back to charity. Like it looks really good when people are doing it. But sometimes you just never know what it actually means. It's just like, oh, doing great. Charity, you know, giving back to humanity. Yay. Until you do it. And um, it means something to you, you know. I... I don't even know what possessed me to say I want to do something for them. But I was like, I don't want to do something for myself. Um, I want to do something for someone else. I want to do something meaningful. You know, I'm going to contact a brand and we're going to have this relationship. And I'm going to take the money. Like, I don't, where is this going to go? You know, yes, it's great for my repertoire but it's like what was it all for at the end of the day so I guess it comes back to my compassionate nature and my want to impact people in a positive way um Frida Hartley reminds me that it could be me one day um also I think just as a woman I resonated with the work they do because it's no secret that we are the rape capital of the world in South Africa. Yeah. Um, I personally have so many gripes and anxieties about gender-based violence. And um, a lot of my, a few, not a lot, a few of my close male you know, friends have really experienced my pain through my conversations with them about how difficult it is Sometimes you just go buy bread five meters away. Walking down the street, a man pulls your hand. You get groped. You're whistled at. If you don't respond, I text, baby. That's the reality of a normal woman on the street. Just on a simple, I'm going to buy bread basis. So imagine how much deeper it gets when it gets complicated in relationships that you can't get out of. When it gets complicated, when that man on the street is drunk enough to pull you to a corner because you've made him angry or you didn't greet him or you didn't talk back to him. Man, it's just so for me, the passion I have about the situation in this country is what gravitated me towards Frida Hartley. I was like, I can't do anything. There's nothing I can do to make these men stop. But what can I do anyway? You know, what can I do? I said I said that I'm like, okay, yes, we're tweeting. It must stop. Enough is enough. Yes. But what can I do really? Sure. 
And that's Frida Hartley was the answer for me is I can do something for the women that have been, um, you know, that have been impacted. I can help this shelter that's doing the work for the rest of us. You know, we may not be on the ground when the situations are happening. We may not be taking these women in, but maybe we can, you know, help them with some funds. Maybe we can hug those women and make them feel like, normal you know sure yeah because i can imagine what your life must be like to be in a shelter you're stripped of your life your life is different you're in a shelter now the nice things that you used to have for yourself are gone you don't even have your own private bathroom you can't take a bubble bath i can't even say because i don't know the situation i'm guessing now right and that's my privilege to be able to have my own space Take a bubble bath when I'm tired. I can't imagine what it must feel like to share your space, to not have to wear heels and look cute. And like there's more things you're worried about than looking cute and doing brunch with the girls. Sure, yeah. So I was like, how can I make these women not forgotten? Because that's the thing. I feel like sometimes when you put people in a shelter, you put them, they're forgotten. It's like, ish, life goes on. Yeah. So I was like, no, man, like, how can I? Be part. How can I involve myself in the shelter? And that's that's really what Frida Hartley represents for me. Like not leaving those women behind, um, plugging into something that's already doing the work and giving them more strength. Because doing good can be exhausting. Pouring and helping can be exhausting. I imagine it's um, giving is is a selfless thing, and I also I don't think it's it's not taxing. Giving takes from you, so. I'm just helping. I'm just adding my two cents worth. I'm just adding a little droplet of water into this ocean. I'm I'm doing something in my own little way. And that's what Frida Hartley represents for me, man. It's just showing up, you know? Um, and and yeah, showing up, helping out, doing what I can in my little way and supporting those that are doing the work. For sure. And you've done some amazing work where, you know, you did a music video actually with Female artist, women artist, women, women artist from from across Africa, and you know, you, in, in through this collaboration, you found a way to get some money so that you could actually um, give back to Frida Hartley. Can you just talk up to us about the She Mix collaboration? Yeah, like I low key almost wore my t shirts uh, because I don't know. I think I knew we were gonna talk about this. I, I should I should have worn mine too because I, I imagined you would because you did once wear it on your and something you were featured on. And yeah. shout out to you for that. Um, I love the way you support me. By the way, shout out to that. Like it's dope. Like for people sure. say they show up, and then there's people that just show up. So sure. I love that. Ah, she makes sham. Oh wow, what a what an era! I have three of those t-shirts, if not four or five. Like, um, yeah, did a song, a remix with Young Verbal, a South African Zambian artist, and the song was called Rotation, his original song, and the remix was called Rotation. She makes with girls, uh, with women from one from Nigeria, one from Kenya, one from Namibia, and two from South Africa, and uh. While that was a vibe, I was like, oh, great, we did it. You know, that's the thing about me. It always has to be extra. Something has, I'm always like, what else can we do? (laughs) Oh, guys, I like things. Oh, my goodness. I don't know why I can't just be a simple girl, guys, and just call it a day. No, not your grandma. She has to always be like, what else? (laughs) How can we be extra? (laughs) Anyways, I was like, no, how can we elevate this? shot a video i'm like yeah shooting a video and then what you know 
I hit up Fushini. I said, Fushini, hi. I did a song with girls. Uh, not girls. I keep saying girls, but you know what I mean. Women. Uh, Fushini is all about women. Women empowerment. That's their ethos. And I was like, well, this is the thing. Um, I did a remix with women. Uh, this is what your brand stands for. We want to shoot a music video. Actually, the music video was not part of the conversation. The conversation was part of uh, me actually dropping a t-shirt i was like how's about because i actually wanted to do merchandise for the song uh but i also didn't want to sell it out of the boot like you know when you do merchandise and you take orders and um you just basically like sell it from your hand i was like how can i elevate on that how can i make it bigger um so i was like no fushini i have an idea how's about we do a t-shirt we sell it through your stores and then the proceeds of that that the t-shirt will go to Frida Hartley, uh, women, you know, um, shelter for women and children. They were like, bets. So like, how do you envision this? I'm like, well, we do the t-shirt and then we we tease it in the music video. I'm still looking for a sponsor for the music video, but we tease it in the music video, then we sell it in the shows, then we we we, we drop it. Then Foshino was like, oh, wait, maybe we can also sponsor the video. Hang on, I'll get back to you. If I tell you that they were like, let's do this. They shot the music video with us. We dropped the t-shirt. It was fantastic. We raised 85,000 rand for Frida Hati Shelter with that campaign. That's beautiful. Yeah. And so I think it comes back to the conversation of believing in yourself because that is a huge thing for anyone to do. And lo and behold, soon after that, we started noticing a few collaborations between brands and particularly retail stores and notable names. Again, it's just one of those things. But it's the believing yourself thing because so many questions could arise. Why me? But then I thought to myself, why not me? Right? It's like there are other brands out there that... um, one would imagine that a notable national fashion retailer with years of experience in the industry could possibly knock on. But the audacity of me to say, hi, it's me. I want you to bet on me. It's testament of what I mean by believing in yourself. Imagine what we can do when we believe in ourselves. Imagine what we can do when we have the audacity to show up to brands and say, I believe I'm the right person for your brand. And... We have these conversations amongst ourselves as friends. Like, you know, if I could just work with da-da-da-da-da, man, like, you know. And it's like, yeah, that brand is so you. And it's like, okay, what are you waiting for? Why don't you tell them? Why don't you knock on the door? And just something just tells you like, oh, well, it's just a dream. It's like, is it really? You're not crazy. Like every idea you have has legs, but you just have to believe in yourself. So for me, I'm so glad I did that. Every time in that campaign, I would sit there with my manager saying, bruh, can you believe this? He's like, what do you mean? That's what, this is what I'm talking about. I'm like, bruh, I can't believe I did this. And um, I love that moment for what it's taught me. I love that moment for reminding me that I can go there if I want to take it there. And it also shows me that wherever I'm not is a me problem. Uh, we can sit there and say the industry is blah, 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 red tape, you're being blocked. Okay, fair enough. But have you exhausted your potential? Chances are not. So everywhere you're not is a you problem. You have to get out of your own way and just shoot, bruh, shoot your shot. Like I shot my shot and it fucking 
caught like it's crazy so um that was crazy so that's what happened with with, with she makes you know we raised eighty five thousand rand for frida hati shelter people showed up man that t-shirt was worn by men men believed so much in the campaign or in me whatever it is they believed in that they wore it they wore a t-shirt sold out of a woman's store they were like i don't care i'm walking in the store and i'm buying this t-shirt and that for me is testament of believing you believe in yourself everybody else believes it too you know uh, you represent something the minute you walk in your light everybody else that needs that light gravitates towards it or you just you do it for everybody else man you know and people will ride with you there's people that will always ride with you it may not be your circle and i think that's what gets us as creatives you expect your friends and your family sure. to back you up and when they don't you immediately think i won't make it i'm not successful if my own family doesn't like my shit then who am i but it's like no babes get it out there's people outside of your family that need that sure and we get boxed in the family and friends thing. And I think we need to start learning as creatives that we're not creating for our family and friends. We're creating for the world. Sure. The people that showed up for me on that campaign were not my family and friends. Sure, my family was crazy excited. My grandma was calling people in KZN on time. Listen, in Foshini, go look for... She was directing the women, the mamas from... Bruh, I will never forget that conversation. She was directing the mamas from... From uh, 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 Richard's Bay saying, yes, in Ghaniam, yeah, Emolin, Efoshin, in Ipink, in Ugusomakela. I'm just listening to this channel, I'm like, damn, you know, and Loki, I love it because that was the proudest moment for me, showing my parents that, hey, this thing that I've been doing all these years, this hustling, this radio, this whatever you don't understand, this is what it kind of looks like. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, I'm not saying that your friends and family don't support you, but I'm just saying that. Even if your friends and family don't support you, put your ideas out because there's somebody outside of that fence that actually needs it. You don't have to be, um, you know, discouraged by not receiving immediate support from friends and family because they always do catch up. They always do catch on. Sure. Um, so, yeah, man, bruh, people that I didn't know, people were taking pictures of ministers wearing the shirt. They're like, yo, this minister, this MEC just showed up wearing your shirt. I'm like, Years later, people are wearing the shirt. I'm like, bah. my friend takes pictures of people out on the streets on some bra. I just saw your t-shirt on this girl. Go, go thing. I'm like, bro, it's like, damn, yeah. you're co-signing me without even knowing. Yeah, that's yeah. how dope you are. Like the shirt is so dope. I got in there. I bought it. Yeah, sure. So yeah, man, creates guys. Like put your stuff out there. Bet on yourself. If it's scary, just close your eyes and just throw it out and see what catches. You know. But whatever you do, let go of the idea. Let it live. You are well-traveled and have experienced the music culture and scene in like different countries. What are some of the elements that you've taken and that you can use from those countries um, that you use in your music now? Mm, creativity, energy. Energy, creativity, and um, just having fun, man. I've seen how Africans um, have a lot of fun. They enjoy this and they give their all to it. So... I take a lot of energy from that. And um, I love to learn languages as well. So I really, really have fun with listening to different kinds of languages in the music. So yeah, man, just that new factor. Like when somebody hears something like, what is that? What's what, what language is this? I love that. I love teaching through music. Yeah. I love that. So how do you incorporate 
different music genres and styles into your sets? I just mix them. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I I'm of the firm belief that we're 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 very we're more similar than we are different. And I've noticed that through all the different kinds of music I listen to, like we were playing some French music earlier on. Some of it sounds like Afro beats. Some of it sounds like Kizomba. Some of it's the Bongo music. Some of it sounds like South African music. Like we're more similar than we are different. So I mix them. They really do go together. And also shout out to DJ Zaymaya. She's one of the DJs that taught me that you can mix anything you want. You don't have to specifically stick to one genre. Uh, you don't have to be, I'm, because I'm playing a hip hop set, I'll play hip hop songs over me she showed me that you can play in a hip-hop set you can play an r&b song and a gospel song and they will go and you'll play a batanga song and it will go and i'm like damn so shout out to her i mix them i mix them all shout out to her and mm. shout as out long to as it sounds good as long as it flows i you're gonna hear all of it for sure yeah i really love them and so i mean you you you've taken now your music business and you know you've started formalizing and so you've gone through all these processes and steps and now you're in a process where you formalized you know your business what does it look like to formalize your business in the music industry? Getting the right people around you. As much as we're independent artists and you have to do a lot of things by yourself, as soon as you can, China, as soon as you can, get the right people around you. That including a business manager or a personal manager, a lawyer, don't go anywhere without a legal mind helping you to understand the terms and conditions. Something as simple as having conversations with people about collaborations or the minute you exchange your idea, there's legal implications because somebody will run with it and do it. And you'll be like, that was my idea first. And I was like, oh, really, was it a lawyer? Um, an accountant, I'm not so great on that. I tried, but, you know, I do have my personal manager Um helping me with that regard like my business partner he's always the one that's pulling me to the side but yeah formalizing your business as a creative includes having the right people around you and um, realizing that as much as you need to do things yourself you don't have to get people that know better than you with in, in those kind of senses um, to help you and if you can't google enough research enough to at least know something so yeah man i have those kind of people around me you know yeah, delegating the tasks, the skills, getting the skills that will get me forward. Yeah, that's what it's about. Where do you hope to grow the Spoken Princess brand in the future? Globally. Sure. I always say to myself that I want to be the biggest Afrobeats DJ in the world. Um, I don't even want to speak. I don't want to counter that dream. But I just want to say that whether I do it or not is not the point. The point is I have the audacity to dream it and say that's what I want to do. So yeah, globally, you know, people must know about the African Powerpuff Girl. Uh, but most importantly, it's for the little kids out there that look like me. I'm a village kid. Like I want somebody Ramarishani, somebody wherever, you know, somebody in Katutura in Namibia to be like, there's this girl that looks like me and she represents me. I think we can all attest that I am different to a lot of, you know, um, women that you've seen on the industry or in various media platforms. That's who I represent. There's a gap for every kind of person in the industry and in the world in general. The idea that you have to look a certain way, the idea that you have to represent uh, certain things or that you have to fall into a mold to fit in is tired. There's so many different people in Africa alone. You've got about 3,000 tribes. Like there's a lot of us. I could even be wrong with that number, but... So there, I represent all the different people from wherever. And um, that's what I want for my career in five years, to represent Africans 
on a different level, on a resonating, on a relevant level, on a personal level, on a I'm a village kid, but I know where, how far I can take my life based on seeing someone that looks like me out there doing it. Sure. And you talk about your dreams. Who are some of your artists that you actually want to work with in the future and dream to work with in the future? I want to play for Wizkid, Burner Boy, Tiwa Savage, Yemi Alade, Saudi Soul. Those are my favorite artists um, that I would absolutely love to work with. Um, I, have, I have this crazy thing of wanting to meet Don Jazzy. I want to be mentored by him. So I, I'm figuring out how to do that. But yeah, man, I got a door in when I got to play for Mayor Kuhn, who calls himself the mayor of Lagos in Dubai. And I saw how possible this shit is. So again, you have to have the audacity to think it's possible and make it happen. So yeah, those are the people I want to play for. I, I won't stop till I play for Burner Boy, Wizkid, Tiwa Savage, Yemi Alade, and Saudi Soul. For sure. I definitely think it's going to happen and I wish you the best of luck in that. One last question from me before we close off the podcast. Yeah. It really has been amazing. And I want to ask, what do you think it takes to be at the top of what you do? Being yourself. Self-belief. I can give you all the sorts of formulas. There is no formula, guys. There is no formula. There is no industry, you know. Industry is people. It's made of people like you and I. It's the shit we do that forms the industry. There's nothing special about the person that said no to you. There's nothing special about the program's manager that said you're not talented enough. There's nothing special about the promoter that didn't book you. There's nothing special about somebody that told you in the audition that you're not good enough for the role. There's nothing special about them. They're human just like you. So what it takes to be at the top of your game is believing in yourself, guys. Just be be audacious, like, you know, don't let anything get in your way. That's what it takes, truthfully. That's really what it takes, self-belief. And it's something that we struggle with. So it's something that we're always going to be working at. So that's what it takes. The minute you master yourself, no one stands in your way. The universe has proven so many times that when you say, I'm going, the universe goes with you. So how can other people impact your universe? It's not possible. They can block you. They can discourage you. And you can take that and internalize it. And then your universe goes, okay. Your universe responds to what you're telling it. I'm not good enough. Then the universe will be like, okay, guys, let's chill. She's not ready to go. But when you're saying I'm going, that program's manager, that promoter, they're not going to stop your universe. They can stop you, the human. Okay. But the forces around you, there's nothing they can do about that. So all it takes is you believing in yourself, making sure that that's what I'm doing. Get rich or die trying is the motto. That's all it takes. There is no formula. There's no formula. I really, really love that, man. You know, it's been so amazing having you on the podcast. It has been also very different because, you know, you and I obviously have, you know, have a different, have a different. (laughs) Word conversations always. (laughs) Cyril, oh, the edits, the edits. (laughs) (laughs) I really love that, man. I have one more favor to ask as a friend. I know that you haven't probably done closing links in quite a while, but I would really be honored if you actually did a closing link for this episode. Sure. My name is Spoken Priestess and I'm hosted by Cyril Zuma. This has been the B-Roll podcast. Make sure you check in on Spotify and everywhere you can stream the podcast, replay it, share it. Thank you so much for tuning in. Stay tuned for the next episode. Mm, 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 mm.